FYI, this podcast contains spoilers. Hey everybody, welcome to episode 165 of the podcast that goes snicked. I'm your host, Jason, Craven Mutant Lover Venable, and I'm joined by a special guest, Dan. I raised an, an asteroid from the lake, and all I got was this lousy helmet. Cole. Hey, Dan. <laughs> Hi, how are you? <laughs> I'm good, how you doing? Uh, <laughs> I'm up, I'm up, but I'm wearing my helmet, clearly. Alright, got the helmet on. Well, um... So we have a, a flashback episode, and um, I'm sure you've all heard of AVX, but what about XVA? So that's what we're going to cover today, is some, uh, straight from 1987, a four-issue miniseries, The X-Men vs. The Avengers, probably of which the logo is the best thing. <laughs> what, what do you think of our logo here, where the X kind of slants into the A of the Avengers. I think um I think it looks nicer than the other one from two years ago. <laughs> the, the circle like badge they had. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's just simple. Simple, yeah. done in one. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. So um basically this is kind of another side step. Um this came out right around the same time as the uh the Fantastic Four X-Men miniseries, which uh, Jack was on to talk about. And by the way, Jack and Dan, of course, as you know, both from the Intercomics podcast. So I want to definitely give a shout out to that. And then also kind of coincided with that uh, annual we just did on the bonus episode. And this is all kind of a, a step aside from the main Marauder storyline that's going on in Uncanny at the same time. So we kind of have like four or five different little stories that were published well, pretty much right on top of each other. Uh, but the one we're going to talk about today is the X-Men versus the Avengers. And um, tiny advanced spoilers. It's mostly a Magneto story, wouldn't you say, Dan? Yeah, it's, it's a uh, Dr. Druid story. <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Druid, all right. <laughs> But it's also, um, I'm going to kind of have the debut here on the podcast. Uh, we, we've talked about him a little bit because he did some um, adjacent issues during the Mutant Massacre over in X-Factor. But this will be kind of the Wolverine debut of, of Mark Silvestri, who, of course, has a very lengthy um, contribution to the character you know, in the in the late eighties, early nineties, and this is going to be the first time we kind of get to get to meet him here on the podcast that goes next. So we'll talk about that, of course. But yeah, so four issues of of something, and let's see what we got. <laughs> you ready to jump in, Dan? Yeah, why not? All right, well, here we go. So number one um, is a cover by Mark Silvestri, which marks the uh, first official published image of Silvestri doing a Wolverine. And, uh, you know, like I said, um, you know, when I started collecting and really got into Wolverine, uh, Mark Silvestri was, was doing the solo book. He had just kind of 
wrapped up his run on Uncanny. He, I think I caught some of the tail end of his Uncanny stuff, but it was really his work on Wolverine that I kind of, you know, grew to love his art. And of course, you know, there's pros and cons to, uh, I guess, modern Sylvester art after he went to Top Cow. Um, some of it was beautiful, and some of it was uh, way too sexy for its own good. But, um, yeah, we'll kind of see what that compares to kind of his early stuff as we kind of get into this. But uh, the cover here is the first time that he ever drew Wolverine, so that's kind of historical, I guess. On the cover, we have uh, Sylvester kind of channeling his inner Mike Zek. Um, and basically, you have the Avengers facing off some of the X-Men, and then we have this red guy in the background. Um, what do you think of this cover, Dan? It does feel very um, classic team off, team against team kind of cover. Yeah. I I forgot how much I missed the little heads in the corner with the marble. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah Don't fun. ask me why. I, just, <laughs> I like them. Well, I love it, too, because when you have books like this, like particularly like this crossover and stuff, like the heads change, you know, and... It's not necessarily, like, by importance. They just kind of rotate around. And then, of course, you know, the last one we'll talk about when we get there, you know, definitely kind of focuses on the story in the letterbox. But, yeah, I always like that, too. I mean, I guess it kind of takes the place of, like, I guess we get that now, kind of usually on the inside flap. We'll have, like, a you know, little headshots of who's going to be in the book and a little, like, here's their name and their basic, you know, what they're doing right now. I guess this kind of was a predecessor to that, but I agree. I, I do miss it. You know, and it doesn't really, like, detract from the cover. I know, you know, there's a lot on the, some of the covers, but I feel like it, it looks good. So, um, what do you think of the first time we see Sylvester drawn Wolverine? What do you think of this version here? To be honest, um, it took me literally... as. I read the, the, I was reading the comic, and it, I kept thinking to myself, "Is this really Sylvester's work?" Like, because yeah. I'm very familiar. Because, like, I remember him on Uncanny, but I didn't really read Wolverine. Right. And I just remember him basically being sexy through the nineties. Yes. On Top Cow. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then I think the last, last, the most modern art I remember him doing for Marvel was um, in the, I think it's in the Morrison run, the Here Comes Tomorrow. Yes, like yeah, really kind of stylized. Towards, yeah. Yeah, and that was uh, Sylvester to the nth power by that point. So it feels weird where it's like they're sort of drawn almost normally. It's that sounds, <laughs> it's that, like completely not like his style. Right. Um, so, because to me, this Wolverine, this book cover, um, it's got a bit of, um, what's his name? Is it Willis? Uh, I've forgotten what his second name is, Potico, Willis Potico, or something like that. Um, he used to draw X-Men in the early 90s, and he went on to do Heroes Reborn, Iron Man, and he's done loads of other things. But they're the only things I remember. But it sort of reminds me of other people's work, not Sylvester's. Yeah. Is that really weird? Yeah, I kind of thought um, the same thing. So I think Wolverine's probably... Wolverine, Rogue, She-Hulk, and... Black Knight are probably the best looking things on the front cover. Okay. Because I think Cap and Cap's got kind of a weird. I know he's supposed to be punching, but it feels a bit warped. <laughs> yes. His body and um, <laughs> and Magneto just feel, like he feels like he's overstretched his leg. 
Yeah. Then you know it's like he's trying to do a magic trick or a dance move or something. And then yeah, the thing I about sh- Cap forgot about that costume. Yeah, oh, I hate that costume. I hate it. <laughs> and the thing about Cap, I agree. Not only is he distorted, but it also like the action of his upper body doesn't match the stance of his legs. Like his upper body is like this massive, like punching, like through something, like he can literally hit through a wall with that punch. And then his legs are kind of like, oh, here, the, here we are. We're just kind of walking. <laughs> The cover's okay. We got this red guy at the top who looks kind of classic late 80s Iron Man knockoff. He's not too bad. But, um, yeah, no, it definitely doesn't really... The only thing that kind of screams Sylvester, you know, kind of be the same through, through the series, is his female faces. Definitely, you can yes. see, like, yeah, okay, this, this, this looks familiar. But other than that, yeah, it definitely kind of was like, whoa, a, st- a step kind of back or aside or whatever like this is this really him yeah so as far as issue number one um here's kind of what happens the avengers save a kmart from a meteor so what can die a natural death of uh economics and poor business decisions um <laughs> the meteor is hilariously magnetic apparently um the other meteor there's another one and it uh, magnetically disrupts mother russia then we jump to an X-Men pool party. Classic. Uh, Magneto hears about the meteors on the radio, and fearing that it's his old base, he races off to Russia. Wolverine gathers the X-Men to chase Magneto, who is in turn chasing Asteroid M. The Avengers, uh, meanwhile, discuss the moral implications of the CIA and KGB setting a trap to assassinate Magneto, while also discussing all of his previous appearances ad nauseum. The two captains, uh, Marvel and America, that is, decide that Magneto needs a new trial, and killing a mutant would only fan the flame of anti-mutant hysteria and uh, kind of cause a societal eruption. So Magneto finds one of the meteor fragments in Campuchia, maybe? How you say that? Um, where Captain Marvel... I have no idea. Yeah. And uh, Captain Marvel finds him, but oops, tricky hobbitses, it was a hologram. Uh, the Avengers surround Maggie and Dr. Druid, who apparently is a real character, subdues him. But the X-Men intervene. While Cap and Wolvie posture with each other, the, su- the Soviet super soldiers show up uh, also looking to retrieve Magneto to pay for his crimes against their country. The tension builds to the bursting point and to be continued. So that's issue number one. Uh, what are some of your highlights and or lowlights, Dan? My highlight has to be Dr. Druid. I think throughout the series, because I, I forgot he existed. I did too. So, like, um, in all seriousness, um... I can easily tell you that one of the low points for me is the X-Men's costumes. Um, all but Wolverines. I like Wolverines. But, like, man, I, for, I just... I for, Owen Storm, who does nothing, may I add, because she doesn't have her powers. Right. Her costume's all right, but I totally forgot about everyone else's, especially Magneto's. Dear Lord. <laughs> um, yeah, we got the but, rogue, like, tank top over the black bodysuit thing going on. And this, but, um, this if, we're, if we're allowed to, if we're allowed to compare it to the most recent Avengers versus X Men, I actually prefer this opening gambit than this sort of 
ridiculous oh my asteroids falling out of the sky to destroy Kmart and Russia um, <laughs> I, I, bet, I better go and find it and then you've got this like sort of slight moldament the, the only thing is I feel like the X-Men's reason for being there and throughout we'll see is totally weak yeah. like, they don't even feel like they should be there <laughs> and this is more like an Avengers story than anything Avengers versus Magneto story than anything else um I think some of the dialogue is fun, and out of all the char- all the characters, I've, uh, um, maybe just because I love She-Hulk, but like um, She-Hulk, Wolverine's a bit written a bit ridiculously, but She-Hulk, Wolverine, Doctor Druid, and Magneto are all standouts. Mainly because Doctor Druid, I have no idea what he does or who he is. Right. He seems to be Professor Xavier, but, um, <laughs> with the, with a big old cape. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Um, I think Magneto is interesting. She'll have some fun lines in the, at the at the beginning, and um, Wolvie's got some just just memorable sort of that attitude that he had in the eighties. Yes. I don't give a crap. I'm just gonna be Wolverine. <laughs> um, and it, do you know what? It's nice to see these two really bizarre lineups of X Men and Avengers. Yeah. Because obviously, we're at the moment we're used to just like the normal names, but like we've got like. Captain um, Marvel, it's actually Monica Rembrandt. Um And we've got, like, obviously Dr. Druid, we've got Black Knight. And then Thor seems to be really, like, bizarre. It's like, you just seem... I know he talks like Thor, but... Yeah. And then they've got the, the Russian team. And my God, is it heavy, heavy on the um, Cold War politics. But yes. um, outside of that, I think it's actually a decent beginning for the whole story. Yeah, I agree. I actually, I actually quite, I quite enjoyed it, <laughs> to be fair. Yeah, yeah, and of course, uh, speaking of different lineups, like you said, uh, we also are kind of in the middle of the the X Men run, where some of the big guns have been sidelined, and so we're dealing with the, the likes of Dazzler and, and Longshot. Um, the good thing about this kind of lineup or team of, of X Men is this is where Rogue really starts to kind of come to the forefront, and so if you're a fan of of '90s Rogue. Um, this lineup kind of you owe a lot to that because it was during this kind of run where she really becomes a central character to the X-Men. Before we get any further, I dropped the ball and forgot to give the credits for this issue. Um, (laughs) I was supposed to do that first. Uh, So just real fast, uh, Roger Stern is the writer. Silvestri, of course, the penciler. Joseph Rubenstein, the inker. Joe Rosen, the letterer, and Christy Scheel was the colorist, and this chapter is titled Justice for All, which always makes me think of Metallica. (laughs) (laughs) So one of my favorite parts was, uh, if you go back to page six, only in comics can hurricane force winds make a cushion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Good old fall. Yeah. I forgot, so this is like his super crazy armor he had at the end of the Simonson run. Mm-hmm. I, I forgot how like how bright and shiny it was and I mean I know it's like more armor, but it almost makes him look daintier in a way. It's it's really bizarre. Um, I thought. Um uh, maybe it's just all the gold. I don't know. Um It was too much gold. Too much yes, gold in the way too much. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, so is this is this a gremlin guy? Is he related to the goblin from like one of the the first couple of Incredible Hulk issues? Do you know anything like about this guy's history? Well, the the one that jumps out of the suit. Yeah, 
with the big head, the big ugly head. See, I used to watch this. Um, I watched the Incredible Hulk cartoon. Okay. And the guy looks exactly like him in that cartoon. It okay. was Gargoyle. Oh, it's Gargoyle. So okay, I, actually, I was yeah, you're right. I was thinking I thought Goblin, but I think you're right. I think it's Gargoyle. Uh, yeah, that's what I thought it was. But okay. like this Russian super team get given a lot of um, attention. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, we got the big bear guy. Um, we got this this dark matter girl. We got the the guy with the. The hammer and sickle, because I mean he's Russian, right? <laughs> yep. And then of course the 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 gremlin in his suit, and then the crimson dynamo, which um, interesting. He his um connection to Magneto will will play out in some later stories as well. Um, but yeah, this the team was very like stereotypical Cold War Russian. Whatever. So one thing we I'm also... actually probably one one of the only fans of Dark Star. Yeah, um, with the Dark Force. <laughs> I don't remember her to be honest. Run. So. Well, and which which <laughs> one of Grant Morrison's runs? The X Men run? Yeah, the X Men run. He killed her off. Um, oh, okay. I forgot all about that. So it was drawn by Ego Corday. Most people forget. Oh, um, okay. That guy had some um, ugly art. <laughs> It, you know, every now and then a story would like in fit, you know, like the the plot, like just the tone. Like, okay, the ugly art works, but a lot of times it was just ugly. <laughs> so I will say uh, one thing that we have a uh, kind of a fundamental shift in when we get to the X Men pool party. Uh, Sylvestri is uh, personally one hundred percent responsible for sexy rogue. And Sexy Rogue will persist from this point on. Um, but before Sylvester got a hold of her, she was kind of... Um, Frumpy? Yeah, and mannish almost. Um, a little butch, which, which is fine, but that's just who she was. And um, yeah, once Sylvester comes along, Rogue becomes an immediate sex symbol, and that will continue um, forever, pretty much. So that's definitely kind of worth pointing out, I guess. I really love that Wolverine uh, uses a snicked to kill a fly. <laughs> that was very uh, Karate Kid, Daniel son. So I like on page 15 that Wolverine has a very tiny cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> and then the panel of Wolverine pulling his cowl over his face, I thought was one of the better panels of the issue. Yeah, it's, it's definitely... Because that's one thing about the eyes. It's sort of not consistent throughout. There's yeah. a really nice panel. And then like, the detail drops from panel to panel, <laughs> which is really, really weird. Because like, you've got that really nice Wolverine shot, and then in the cockpit, it just it just sort of doesn't work. The only reason they're different people is because they've been colored differently. Right. That makes sense. Oh, like, yeah. Their bodies are almost identical. And then it goes back to being okay. Just, it's, it is very inconsistent. Yeah, um, especially with the women. Like, uh, Captain Marvel, Rogue, and She-Hulk kind of all have the exact same face. Yes, and, pretty much. Yeah. All right, so you, you were talking about kind of uh, classic 80s Wolverine lines. Uh, my favorite one in here is on page 23, um, where we get actually a pretty nice close-up of Wolverine's claws. They're um, 
kind of glinting in the in the light, and he goes, "The only stupid moves are made by folks who cross me. Care to try your luck?" <laughs> the only thing missing was a bub. Um, I was kind of disappointed in, at the lack of bubbage, but um, other than that, I thought that was like just this quintessential uh, 1987 Wolverine line. <laughs> All right, cool. Anything else you want to mention from issue number one? Um, only that the flashbacks. This is what happened previously when we talked to Magneto. Um, <laughs> we're, 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 they were probably the most clumsy moments of the issue. I know that it does definitely feel like. Please go out and buy these books. <laughs> right. <laughs> if, if, like go to your comic book store and buy some back issues just to see some awesome fights between specific members of the Avengers and, and Magneto. You're like, fair enough. Because it definitely has oh. all of the asterisks. Like every little thing is like asterisk, like editor note, like this is where it happened. Here you go. Well, no, I think I think it was decent. Yeah. Start to the issue. Yeah. Yeah, I thought the art was fine. Um, as far as the story, I'm I'm with you. I enjoyed this first part more than I thought I would. Um, it was a little clunky at times, but I liked the concept and I like kind of um, what's it called, the inciting incident, you know, of the, of the meteor coming down and and then you know like oh I should probably do something about this and you know him actually being kind of well intentioned like trying to make sure like. You know, no one else gets the technology or whatever, and then uses it and to to evil means. Like he's actually like trying to do something good, and of course he's misunderstood. And then you know we have all the all the issues of of countries wanting him to pay for previous crimes and stuff like that. And I thought it was a, actually a really nice setup. So that said, when you want to grade this first issue, Dan? Well, I'm just looking through the art. Um... Because of because of page twenty two, uh, bottom left bottom left panel has Rogue and it looks like she's tied up in bandages, um, as opposed to the leather straps. I'm gonna um, it just it, it, it reaffirms my out of the art sort of <laughs> is yes. a bit odd. Um, right, you know, so I'm I'm gonna I'm gonna it. say four four out of six. Okay, well, four, we're gonna four. be exactly the same, and I will um. Uh, just reaffirm in case anyone's wondering the panel that Dan was talking about is a terrible panel. Um, it is hard. Uh, Dazzler is, is missing an arm. Um, unexplainably Wolverine's, um, little legs, legs are melted uh, into each other. Yeah. I have no idea what's going on. <laughs> it looks like they've melted. <laughs> but that said, uh, Dan and I are going to give exactly the same score to this issue. I'm going to give number one four out of six claws as well. So that takes us to number two, Uneasy Allies. I think this is all yeah, the, same the exact crazy. same team. So uh, what we got on the cover, Dan? Well, we've basically got a grinning Magneto with his old school helmet on. Yeah. And in the background, we have... Wolverine and Storm on one side, and She-Hulk and Cap on the other, looking kind of um, like, oh dear, he's gone mad. And it has the temptation of Magneto as the <laughs> sort of byline. Right. I thought this cover was just, almost really cool, but it looks a little too silly. Alright, cool. So uh, what happens in this, this second chapter? Well, we have um, a previously 
in X-Men versus Avengers. We have four panels of that. Um, <laughs> which moves on straight straight to uh, let's not talk, let's just fight. Uh, spread. Um, this fight between basically the Russian super team and the Avengers, because the X-Men are kind of just stood there to begin with, right. um, goes on for ages. Uh, Captain Marvel decides to use her power of possessing technology. I don't understand what she does. She overloads technology with um, her power by possessing the technology's circuitry or something along those lines. And he does, she does that a few times in this issue because, you know, trick pony. Um, <laughs> Dr. Druid is Dr. Druid is left to fight a bear with his psychic tree powers. Um, <laughs> Rogue does the only, the, the only smart thing and basically pick up Magneto and fly away. Uh, and then the rest of the X-Men are like, do you know what? Okay. <laughs> Wolverine to stay, but Rogue's, uh, but Storm's like, come on, let's just leave. Let them fight for the, we have a really decent description because whenever you describe Dazzler's power, people don't understand it. When you know she absorbs ambient sound to create light, and we have a decent, actual decent description of that for once uh, in one panel. Um, so she covers their escape, but lo and behold, Captain Marvel is unbelievably fast, and poor Rogue is like, well, we're in big trouble. But Captain Marvel catches up with them and then flies back to save Thor because you know. And then Thor's pretty much like, which I thought was very, very depressing for God of Thunder. It was like, well, if I can't win myself, I might as well just let him kill me. I'd rather have that as honor than be <laughs> saved by a woman. Oh, classic you Thor. Ah, <laughs> oh, if and only then, he knew that some... one day a woman would hold the hammer. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then, and then we have, um, talking about women hammers, we have She-Hulk basically flinging uh, the massively Russian dude with the ginger hairs hammer back at him yeah. and they basically just um, have at the dark star tries to subdue she-hulk and black knight but lo and behold the super powerful dr druid who literally is a deus ex machina uh, ends the fight quite quickly using his psychic powers on uh dark star so she's like imprisoned her own teammates and then everyone starts shouting at Magne- back at like the blackbird everyone just starts shouting about what we should do uh you know Dazzler tells Havoc to take a chill pill because he's getting more white in his costume. Um, <laughs> and they move forward. And then Magneto basically just goes to our bye, leaves the X-Men to, you know, he's going to go get what he needs from the asteroid because it could be dangerous. And then we have a lot of just the Avengers. We go back to the Avengers where they just basically got the poor mind-controlled um, Dark Star to imprison all of her teammates now. And they're just basically like, we're the Avengers, we can do what we want. We've got the international backing. We'll go and find Magneto. And then we have this really long... Magneto finds his rock in the in the um, lake moment. <laughs> and Miss Captain Marvel con- continues to produce powers that I never knew she had, which was invisibility and the ability to face through objects, to spy on the X-Men. <laughs> and then she, f- she flies back to Black Knight, who has created some sort of like machine that detects Magneto. And then I love how it has like it, spinning it, panels because every every machine yeah, should have spinning panels. I know. I, I'm like, it looks like a Geiger camera or something. <laughs> but, um, and then inside, at what's left of Asteroid M, Magneto's just finding some bits and bobs and then comes across his old costume, which for the first time ever, I found out is actually made of metal and not material, uh, not oh, yeah. uh, fabric. Yeah. It's woven metal. So, wow. I was like, wow. 
that doesn't look like Corbin Mill, but then he is the master <laughs> of magnetism. Um, to totally go down the route of I'm an innocent man, he puts on his old evil helmet and flies out and then tries to bid farewell to his asteroid when everyone turns up. And I do mean pretty much everyone. Right. And Magneto doesn't try to explain anything like this place could blow up. He just starts throwing rocks at everyone in a panel <laughs> that I can only describe as like bad hail. I just don't understand how Dr. Druid is not dead by that moment. But anyway, yes. And then he's like, no one can get through my magnetic field. And then Captain Marvel again, proving that she's possibly the most powerful member on the Avengers, just passes through the shield and boom, zap, gone. And here's where it all gets fun. The X-Men arrive and even Havoc's enjoying it, going, you know, full on white. I didn't know his costume changed colors like that. I know, um, yeah. He's got I, full on... It's weird. And they engage the Avengers. It's all X-Men on Avengers with Storm just looking out the cockpit window. <laughs> uh, somehow, in possibly the most uneven matchup of all time, Dazzler manages to sort of keep Thor and Captain America at bay. Oh, man. <laughs> astonishing <laughs> and then as ever, as everyone's really just fighting for the sake of fighting um sounds like the other avengers vs x-men one uh right magneto Magne- decides to think to himself and then just goes look it's gonna just explode okay it's, you know i'm trying to i'm trying to save you all and you just started fighting each other so captain marvel yet again does what she does best which is be the best thing in best superhero in the comic book right. and goes in and I think she does. She purposely detonate the bomb. She tries to find it, but it blows up. I have a feeling she tried to kill everyone. Oh. Um, <laughs> Magneto saves the day with an electric field. He's the only one conscious. He takes the X Men away. The Avengers sort of um, wake up, and the, at the end of the day, the is Ev- <laughs> flying away, and he's like, you know, I don't want to say anything. And Wolverine's already caught on to the fact that you know something smell still smells about this and he's not very um, confident in Magneto's judgment at the moment and then lo and behold who is on the X-Jet but the amazing Dr. Druid somehow sat there with no one noticing and it goes next issue the Soviets strike back yes. which is ominous <laughs> but yes yep. so what did you think of the cra- the crazy that was um, issue 2 um, I gotta say I did not enjoy this nearly as much as the first issue there are parts that are okay. Um, for example, on on page eleven, we have She Hulk's talking boobies, um, and then um, oh, what is it? So on page thirteen, I feel like so. So at this point, this is the point in the story where the X Men are trying to, and the Blackbird trying to catch up with Magneto. And Wolverine's talking about how, you know, we're going after him and whatever. And Rogue goes, Sides, Wolverine, wasn't it you who said we should chase Maggie down in the first place? And then she coughs. And all I can think of is when people are like, Bullshit, bullshit. <laughs> like, I thought like Rogue was bullshit coughing Wolverine. I thought that was really funny. Um, yeah, and him, I, I really actually kind of thought the highlight for me was Magneto kind of wandering around through the old base. Um, it's the yeah, only pretty much. Yeah. Uh, the fighting, I thought, like you said, a lot of a lot of weird mismatches that weren't that entertaining and weren't that easy to get behind. Like, admittedly, I am not a huge Black Knight fan, 
and obviously I'm on I'm on the podcast that goes nicked. But I just don't I don't know if I feel like he can hang with Wolverine for that long. And like you said, Dazzler like taking on Thor and Captain America at the same time is just outrageous. I will say She Hulk and Rogue, that one kinda makes sense. Kinda seems even, but yeah, I just I felt like some of the matchups were poor decisions. Um it seemed like it was a little more ridiculous, but not necessarily in an interesting way to me. Exactly. Um, like, um, Dr. Drew literally is ridiculously powerful. He's like, he can face through objects, it seems, or create, definitely create illusions. He can control nature. He can psych, like, his psychic power is almost is like, like Xavier's or, or Jean Grey's or something. I know he's like a massively powerful telepath. I thought he was just a magician. Right. Or something like that. <laughs> He just seems to be able. To, he seems to be able to do everything. And then, like, I'm a big fan of um, Michael Rembrandt, and I think that's how you pronounce the name. I um, think so. Yeah. Not just Captain Marvel, and um, I forget how her powers work. She's like living energy, but I generally didn't know she could do everything that she did in this <laughs> issue. I know she's done a load, a load of stuff with the stuff I've read, but I was like, she just seems to be. She seems to be the four, the powerhouse of the team. Right. Whereas they've, they've got four, so it's kind of weird. But it was also kind of refreshing to see like totally different people be powerful. I, I do still think that the description for um, uh, Dazzler's power, the, the jungle, jungle growth definitely still as the, Daz- the Dazzler absorbs all sound from the surrounding area and transduces it to pure light, blinding in its brilliance, which is a really nice... Like, I thought Stern had finally like sort of made sense of it. Yeah, because you know and... I mean? usually usually her power just doesn't. But no one explains it. It's just like she just generates light. It has right. nothing to do with her using music or sound. Yeah, well, and coming up uh, right after this, actually, we'll talk about it a little bit on the on the next flashback episode. Sylvester, or not Sylvester, uh, <laughs> he's right here. Uh, Chris Claremont will actually kind of I think borrow a little bit of that. And kind of, as he kind of defines her powers a little more, um, I think you can definitely see a similarity between what Stern does here and what Claremont will do in the uh, upcoming Uncanny issues. So, yeah, I agree. It definitely, like, shows, like, what it would actually kind of, like... It's like in the past, we like you said, we've had her powers described or shown or whatever, but this one, actually, I feel like that panel that you talked about actually tells you what it would feel like to be there when Dazra uses her powers, which I thought was a really interesting way to kind of describe it. And, um, yeah, I agree. It was very interesting. I don't understand Havoc anymore because his, of his costume. I always thought um, his costume, like the circles get bigger on his right. costume when he powers up. I didn't think it went fully white, but, like, I know this is 80s, so I wasn't reading too many X-Men, or maybe I was just too young and just can't remember. But I just remember them being like him, like obviously black with the little weird headdress. Right. And then like the circles would be quite thin, with like a dot in the middle, and then they would grow bigger. Yes. When he powered up, not not go full white. Like I can't remember. And I just cannot remember him going full full white like he does in this. There are some like, other instances, instances, but it's not very consistent, and it's one of those kind of things that like. It's really hard to tell whether it's actually like you're supposed to actually think his costume is changing or whether it's supposed to be like just the way the, the light like 
like it lights them up kind of so it looks white. It's, and and kind of we have the same kind of problem, not as much in this book, but in the mid eighties with with Storm, and the way they shadow her costume will kind of almost look white sometimes as well. And so it's it's. I don't know if it's like supposed to be like a creative decision that he has a white costume or if it's just kind of a a MacGuffin. I don't really know. I, um, and it's not also, right. Dazzler does the Exorcist in this is the first time I've ever seen a comic book character do this in a while. Uh, page twenty, the bottom panel of page twenty. Also, the top panel, top right panel, or left panel of page twenty, as as Havoc has weird things going on with his costume. But the bottom <laughs> panel on page twenty. Does a full-on exorcist was all like yeah. that. That head, that head does not look right at nope. all. No, nope. it turns all the way around, and that and that terrible costume she had back then. Um, <laughs> yeah, that. Speaking of that havoc panel, it's like his circles went through his body. Yeah, it's like he's been shot. Yeah, <laughs> it's weird. Yeah, you know, I, I do like the I do like the way Captain Marvel is drawn in her energy form. Yeah, it looks cool. Like, it looks cool, and the, the color work on that with the kind of the bright yellow when she turns into her energy looks looks really nice. You know, it's funny though. I, oh, go ahead. No, I was just saying that I, I think there's just a lot of mistakes, like visual mistakes here, right? Uh, in this issue, which really page twenty two is one of the worst, where it has a um, Captain Marvel saying that I need help here, the blast not cap out, but actually the the way it's drawn, it makes it look like Cap is carrying yes. uh, Captain Marvel out. And she's yes. a, she, she kind of is awake and kind of bizarrely looks like an owl. But um, <laughs> it just, it's just really, it's like this one's got a lot of those little mistakes. Right. Kind of like, just like Dazzler's head all the way around and stuff. Like a lot of visual mistakes. And, yeah. and, like, and a speech bubble going right to She-Hulk's breast instead of her mouth. Like just yeah, yeah, weird yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, you know, what, one of the things I kind of thought and you, you kind of mentioned this at the front, is that Sylvester is definitely kind of more house-style house than he is later. It was weird because like him or love him, you know, however you feel about him, I always thought his work on Uncanny and then the Solo Wolverine book, at the very least, it was interesting. And the art's just not that interesting, especially in this issue. Like, there's just not a lot to it. Like my favorite panel is the first clash of sword and claws between Wolverine and Black Knight. Yes, I think it's a really nice, really, really nice Wolverine. Yeah, it is. Like it's really well defined, and it just it's just got a really nice sort of flow of action to it. But aside from that, and maybe She-Hulk kicking Rogue <laughs> on the same page, because um, <laughs> that looks quite funny. Um, it doesn't. Aside matter. from that, there really isn't anything. Anything that sort of does, like, it, it's like you say, it's just pure, like, oh, we're, we're putting out a book that's kind of house style. Right. Um, let's go for it. Yeah, and that's a weird like, thing even to the, say. Oh, God. Even the, the, even the Hailstone panel, it's kind of like, that should have been a really interesting looking panel, and it just feels a bit sort of flat. Yeah. No, I do, like, I forgot uh, that, that she, you know, everyone's kind of like got their shields up and Thor's like spinning his hammer. Then you have She-Hulk just punching rocks out of the air. I thought that was pretty, <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. 
I, I forget how much I like this uh, lineup of Avengers, though I do forget that Doctor Drew is in them. It's just, it, this makes me want to watch. Um, want to watch? Want to read them? Oh, the, the story where the the mansion gets taken over by the Masters of Evil. I think that's around the same time as this this team. But yeah, yeah I can't remember what it's called. I think it's like Maximum Security. No, that was. I remember. I'll just go Google it later. <laughs> it's made me want to. If, if nothing else, this is this, so far reading this has made me really want to go back to the eighties and read some of Outback uh, X Men and yes. some um, Doctor Druid rostered uh, Avengers. Clearly, <laughs> so. yeah, Plus. yeah, it's pretty interesting. All right, so I guess I guess the biggest question of, of this issue, you know, we have on the front. You know, Magneto going crazy with the helmet, with the temptation of Magneto. So, do you think in this in this issue, do we get like a good, thrilling, like moral moral implication wrestling of conscience? Do we get like a real temptation of Magneto here? Do we hack it like we essentially just get him go? Oh, this is my old stuff. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that's that's just what it seems like. Like the. the Right, as comic book readers, we're not fools, we're not idiots. Throughout our reading time, we'll have fun covers that look amazing and right. promise right. the earth, promise the earth, and the content is couldn't be further from the truth. <laughs> but this 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 feels like purposefully misleading, especially since like the last issue where um, he, um you know it's like the idea that he, he's been caught and stuff, and the idea that maybe the persecution he's feeling and him being caught by the humans and Avengers maybe just snaps once he finally finds what he's found. Right. Um, there's just nothing. There's just nothing. He's literally like, right. I'm thank you for saving me X-Men. Now I'm going to go and look at my asteroid because it could be dangerous. Right. I don't want anyone to get hurt. <laughs> oh, look, here's my, here's my old stuff. I'll put on my helmet purely because that's the only visual, visual identifier people will have <laughs> that I am Magneto. And then I'm going to leave. Oh dear, people have turned up, but I don't want them to die. I'm trying to save them, but I'm going to attack them first for no apparent reason, <laughs> just to incite the violence. And yeah. then then I'm going to explain it's going to explode. And then when it explodes, I'm going to save all their lives, then just fly off because I know that I can get do what I want to do quicker with the X-Men than with the Avengers following me. There was at not one point do I feel like he puts the helmet on and has a Cheshire Cat grin and goes slightly balmy and, decides to, and tries to figure out whether he should carry on following the path that he's chosen at the moment or he should just give it up and return to his old, you know, maniacal ways. Right. It doesn't feel like nothing has changed <laughs> in him at all. Yeah, I feel like there's no implications to him wearing the helmet at all besides making people not trust him. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Alright, well, all that, uh, when do you want to grade issue number two? Purely because it's a bit lackluster and there's too many mistakes. I'm going to give it ew, probably a two. Oh, man. We're, we're going to be the same on all these. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give number two uh, two out of six claws as well. It was just too much of a step down from the first issue. Not that I expected the series to maintain momentum. I mean, because that's just not how you did it in the 80s. But um, <laughs> I don't know. It was just too too big of a step down. All right, so let's talk about number three then, moving right along. This is The Soviet Strike Back, as promised. Um, same creative team, uh, cover by Silvestri and Rubenstein. This is probably my favorite cover of the series. So we have 
like this kind of capsizing ship. And we have really nice like red and orange and black in the background. And the bodies jumping off the ship are probably a little too big. I mean, granted. Yeah. <laughs> they're, they're like 20 feet tall. But then we have like this cool thing with the water line. Like kind of um, a third of the cover. And then you have Captain America trying to wrestle Wolverine away from the uh, the gremlin guy in his green robo suit. I don't know, just the way that the cap shield is like, like he's pulling it out of the water and then kind of how you see like above the water and below the water. I just, I don't know. I just, I enjoyed this cover a lot more than any of the other three. What do you think about this one, Dan? I, mean, I think it does look a lot more dynamic um, than the first two. Uh, unfortunately, I actually prefer them before because it has a little bit more, um, well, we'll get to it. There's a bit more classic nostalgia to me um but okay. it, to be honest this is a decent cover to me it actually looks like the gremlin dude's trying to drown wolverine while captain america's trying to decapitate and drown <laughs> gremlin dude. it's like a full-on proper death match and it doesn't scream x x-men versus avengers it, no it screams event it, it could be in, you could see it as avengers try to save x-men <laughs> basically <laughs> And, and again, I'm like, I'm looking at these costumes and um, they're the, not costumes, the heads in the corner. And what is up with Rogue's hairline? Like, yeah, why is it know. a cross of white now? Yeah, it is kind of a, like a, a cross or like an old, like Egyptian headdress or something. And then the way I also so, love, and this is kind of on the last issue too, but uh, Black Knight, how they decided arbitrarily to draw just a little bit of his chainmail from his shoulder. Makes it look like he has crazy hair coming out of his helmet. Well, I, and this is going to seem dark, but I thought it looks like he's a decapitated head on some, like, sort of precious jewels. Oh, nice. It's just, like, <laughs> served up to you. <laughs> now I want to see that story. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, here's what happens in number three. Um, while the Russians plot their vengeance, Magneto... Um, hide secrets from the X-Men about his helmet. Dr. Druid tries to contact the Avengers from the Blackbird, but the X-Men bust him. They drop him off in Singapore and scram. The Avengers and Russians all converge to the city to search for the X-Men. Vanguard tells Havoc, or uh, no, not tells, like says something, but tells him like he's following him. So Vanguard tells Havoc and shouts at Wolverine, or sorry, shoots Wolverine, but Rogue knocks him out with a kiss, but not before he overhears the X-Men are catching a ship, so he knows their plan. Below deck, Magneto contemplates whether his helmet can erase prejudice. <laughs> Just, whoa, that's a helmet. Um, <laughs> the Russians board the ship, and we get a nice fight, um, which begins to tear the ship apart. The Avengers answer the distress call from the ship and begin a rescue. And the X-Men even assist even rescuing the Russians they were fighting. It turns out that the Crimson Dynamo blew up the engines, and nobody's happy about this. And the Russians, the Soviet super soldiers, agree to turn him in and let the uh, X-Men and Avengers handle Magneto, who is now missing. Oh, wait, there he is. He's on a cruise heading back to Singapore. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. That was it. (laughs) 
this issue, um, one of the bad words, is a bit of a mess. Um, yes, it is very much a mess. Uh, my favorite is the when place. they're on the plane. Um, if you look at Rogue and Dazzle are literally sitting next to each other and they're exact twins. There's <laughs> <laughs> um, some like there's some action like seeing Rogue use her powers that's always a nice thing. Um, but like there's some weird jokes like the whole naked bear like the bear turns into the person. Weird right. sort of jokes there. I was like that seems really like he's too fat to fit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he turns to a person and he's just like, okay. Oh, I did think it was interesting because they talk about how Wolverine has such a coarse voice. So, I just want yeah. to point out that the uh, the old 90s animated show has canon on its side. <laughs> then there's a, uh, oh, where is it? There's a really hilarious double snicked. Let me see if I can find it real fast. Oh, yeah. So, where he's like ripping the, the shirt off the guy. And, um, oh. I'm reading it now. I don't know why I thought it was so funny. Um, in my notes, I wrote that it was really funny. Um. <laughs> well, my favorite panel is on page, I think it's 18 or 19, at the top, top. It's, um, it looks like Storm's holding guns and punching a bear in the face, or kicking a bear in the face. Is it 18? It says 18 on mine. I don't so. have page numbers on this one, but yes, I found it. Um, yeah, she's no, she's going straight karate kid. Kicking a bear right in the face. Um, it doesn't look like she's holding two pistols. Right. It kind of does. Looks like she's holding weapons. Yeah, like Aeon Flux or something. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I feel like uh, Sylvestrian was kind of like rushed for time. Yeah. Or something. I think I literally think they're like, hey, next month you need to start on on Candy X Men. Um, so we're gonna pull you off of this series. Why don't you just uh, you know, just turn turn in whatever you've got so far. <laughs> I do love so Vanguard's power and you know every man should be so lucky but Vanguard's power is to rip women's clothes off that is just the weirdest yeah. I'm so glad I had my un- uniform underneath I'm like what <laughs> and, and and another thing right talking about inconsistency has Havoc always had a neck brace on his costume throughout the series because in like the last pa- some of the last panels where the X-Men are talking, um, just before we see Magneto again, uh, Havoc's got, like, the silver neck brace, and he, oh, he yeah. doesn't have it in the last two issues. No, it's, like, it, made it, out of chrome, almost, looking. Yeah, that's um, weird. He doesn't have it when it when it's fully powered up in his white form, which no. I still can't get over. <laughs> um, that helmet, that, that helmet of power is insane, is what I'm going to say. Like, Magneto's... Yeah, what happens with that is just crazy. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. yeah, it kind of, kind of falls off a little bit in there. Um, I did think that it was cool that Wolverine used his claw to scale up the side of the ship. That was and, nice. And also, as a huge Wolverine fan, I do want to point out we get, we get an addition to Wolverine's kind of character here. Uh, so on that same page where he's climbing up the ship. Uh, at yeah. the bottom where he's stabbing the uh, goblin suit with one yeah. hand, and then you have the other hand kind of grabbing the back of the head. Yeah. We have uh, the really bladed claws, which are probably my favorite Wolverine claws. And this is the uh, 
Silvestri's kind of the first guy to do that since Frank Miller uh, in the Wolverine miniseries. But after this and after Silvestri kind of gets a hold of the character, that kind of version of the claw design uh, sticks. And so he wasn't the first to do it, and that would be Frank Miller, but he was kind of the, the person that kind of made it where everybody else started drawing it that way too. And so definitely want to give Silvestri credit where it's due. Um, because if you like that version of the clause, you know, he's kind of the one that made it uh, normalized after Miller did it in the miniseries. So, well, um, so I'm going to give Sylvester some credit because the third, third page, I think, in. Yep, the third page in, the bottom two panels. I'll give Sylvester the credit of making the best grumpy bear ever. Told it arms grumpy bear. <laughs> Yes. And that the one where he had his arms folded is priceless. Yeah. And the obviously most bizarre camp crimson. That, it's like he's put his hand to his mouth going, dee hee hee. It's like they're, they're, they are the best two pictures, like the best two um, figures in this entire issue for me. Yes. Because they're both ridiculous. Well, both you know, ridiculous. you color Crimson Dynamo a little different. He looks like a Star Wars character. He really does. Yeah. I do think my favorite panel actually is from the next page where it's uh, him talking about the submarine and there's like the um, almost like Kirby Crackle behind him in the submarine yeah, behind him. Yeah, that is a nice um, panel. I think that's a really nice panel. So your favorite panel is not the page before next to the grumpy bear where um, brother and sister are about to rub nipples? Oh man, because you oh, def- we we get we go out of our way to make sure that we know Dark Star has nipples, um, in in her shadowy black suit. I love the I don't love I I ironically love the late eighties, early nineties, and then full into the nineties where when we make sure that we we show the the little little bit of nipple even though it's it's not naked. And speaking of continuity. Uh, this is that's that's the worst segue ever. Um, but <laughs> I like that when Wolverine and Cap encounter each other, they don't immediately start fighting, and they kind of they've already kind of had their misunderstood fight uh, very recently in a Captain America annual. And so I thought it was cool that they kind of pick up with that. And they're like, oh, hey, it's you. <laughs> and plus, that scene of Wolverine like cutting a hole in the side of the door—it's classic cartoon. Cap is, a, Cap is a little preachy, though, with this dialogue. He's a little, a little preachy. Yeah. Oh, uh, another thing I really liked is that Thor's hammer smashes the Russian guy's hammer. That they, was nice. Touch. They have, like, a hammer off, and he's like, uh, nope. <laughs> I still think my favorite character at the moment is still She-Hulk, because she seems to get better lines as the way it goes. Yeah. The fact that this thing's going through. <laughs> I has the whole, the whole bear scene. Is ridiculous. <laughs> yes, I love that. Where he's like, oh, I'm more vulnerable in this way. And she has like this shit-eating grin on her face where she's obviously looking at his uh, non-bear junk. And she's like, no kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Probably my favorite part of the issue. <laughs> yeah, so the art was pretty inconsistent still. What do you think of the story in this issue? Um, it just feels a bit sort of 
just everything feels very tangential. It's like, the, like you could cram the story into just one issue right now, and right. nothing feels like it's happened. Stuff has happened, obviously, but it feels like the main thrust of the story hasn't even like all it's been is Magneto found his asteroid. Magneto's got something from his asteroid. The consequences still need to be sorted out from that. In the end, <laughs> right. Okay. The rest of it just seems sort of just superfluous to the, to the actual main plot. Yeah. And the X-Men still feel like side characters in the X-Men versus Avengers. <laughs> like the Russian, the Russian team seem more important. Yeah, they definitely did. Um, well, that was a cool sound. <laughs> so I wrote in my notes that I don't know if it's any better, but it was more fun to me than issue number two like the humor hit yeah, a little better um, there was more stuff to laugh at at least I think my biggest complaint is that they pretend that there's a lot of intrigue and it's just not that intriguing uh, so that kind of bothered me but uh, overall I'm going to land this one right in the middle um, I'm going to give number three three out of six claws what do you got I'm going to do two and a half purely because it's just doesn't, it feels like I could have just didn't need to read this bit. Right. Like it, it is better than the last one, but it just feels so like pointless almost. So <laughs> I'm going to give it an extra half. Sounds good. Well, Dan, why don't you take us home? Um, let's talk about number four, day of judgment. And we do have a little bit different creative team. So why don't you, uh, why don't you talk about that real fast? Kind of a weird switch for the last chapter. We do. It's it is mad. It's mad. Like, Stern's off. Tom DeFalco's, and apparently he's a co-plotter. Apparently, <laughs> so he helped. Um, Keith Pollard is on pencil breakdowns with Joseph Rubenstein on finished art. Joe Rosen's on. Uh, Mac is it Sheely? I think it's Sheely yeah, Sheel or Sheely. I'm not sure. Mark Grunwald and my favorite, the anti-comic book creator and the Sentia editors. And, um, oh, Jim I just Sheeter's realized that Jim Sheeter got a co-plot credit. I didn't even yeah. catch that. That makes so much sense. <laughs> <laughs> I, you know, all this time I was like, oh yeah, sure, he's, he, you know, he's editor in chief. That's what he was back then. But I know I, I just missed completely that he got a co-plot. Wow. And then of course a sign you never want to see. We have an army of additional inkers: mm. Bob McCloud, Al Williamson, Al Milgram. All right, so you said you like this cover the best. This is by Pollard and Rubenstein. What's on the cover? Well, we have, in the little Marvel box, we have um, Magneto preparing to do a curtsy. It's <laughs> not the same thing. That's hilarious. And um, it reminds me of the Magneto and Chains cover. Yes, it um, does. The very famous Magneto and Chains cover. Yeah, from Uncanny 200. Very, very sort of classic, the judgment of Magneto. Uh, we've got Mags holding his... Um, energy-laden helmet firing <laughs> in all directions. Uh, the energy in an X, may I say. Oh, um, yeah. Formation. And then on one side, we have the X-Men themselves. The faces, just the floating heads of the X-Men. And the other side, we have the floating heads of the Avengers. And at the bottom, we have the three people who are the judge, jury, and executioners at his trial, essentially. Um, and for some reason, I just I, I just prefer it to the other covers because Mags Mags just doesn't look like he gives a damn what happens. Right, that face is pure like ignorance, and it just has this really. It just I look at it because of the flying heads. 
it just brings back loads of nostalgia to yeah. like the usual Marvel DC sort of oh, you know it's important if there's floating heads of loads <laughs> of characters on exactly um, <laughs> so it just I don't know and I, I think it's a really nicely um, put together like the fact that the energy does make it like an X is a nice touch. And I do think that having the um, judges at the bottom all serious. Um, obviously, the woman has the uh, barcode stamped over, almost over her face because we don't need more women right. in comics. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't think any of the... like, like um, Storm's face is fine. Rogue's looks very mannish. And her white stripe actually looks like bird poo rather than an actual dye right. job. Havoc looks okay, if a little weirdly effeminate. Wolvie has the chin that Batman would die for right. in this picture. Um, Dazzler looks just literally just generic. Um, the, the, the Avengers fare much better. They all look much better. I agree. Than the expansion. Yeah. Even creepy uh, bearded Xavier. Um, <laughs> Dr. Druid looks... Thanks, man. But yeah, I just, I just, I, I, it just brings a lot more. It makes me smile because it brings a lot of like, that nostalgic feeling back. So this is my favorite. It's probably the worst, but it's my favorite. <laughs> I don't know. I'm, I'd probably put, I'd put it number two. So I'm not too far off from you. All right. Well, why don't you wrap this up for us? What, what uh, dare I ask? What happens in this issue? Well, we open on. Um, News at Channel 11, News at 5, um, which I don't know if it's came for the American audience or, or the audience in Singapore, but it has the whitest Asian person of all time that I'm giving us the news of Magneto with evil helmet on, which I'm sure his little leaves on his helmet change every time we see this helmet now, like they're yes. changing in size and shape. It's not even um, the same from the he... cover to the first panel. Yeah, it's just looking a bit weird. But anyway, anyway, yes, so we get another flashback. Uh, but this time in news form, so it's sort of within the story. Then we get someone who I thought was Robbie from the Daily Bugle, but isn't Robbie from the Daily Bugle, <laughs> talking to other dude. And, and then the Avengers barge in, and it's all just... I'm just going to say it's very dry, where the Avengers are now um, told or explained like, ch- to like children what's been happening and where the X-Men are. They've been put in a van for some reason. And, um, you know, costume clowns have already blown your chance at him, blah, blah, blah. And Magneto's just wandering around Singapore, which is the whitest Singapore I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I think... I, 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 didn't know Al- I didn't know Alfred was in the crowd wearing some um, hot pants and... Really fat. <laughs> you know, and... Um, and the Magneto's in a trench Magne- coat. That's his disguise. Classic. <laughs> classic disguise then not only five minutes since he arrived in Singapore with his little briefcase that um, people attack him but obviously he's still good so he just blows them into some rubbish and pots and then all of a sudden random um, the non-white people find him and they're like come with us we're not stereotypes at all come with us um, turn the floor to glass says one of them and so Magneto runs off and they find Chairman Mao, I mean, the the light, I think his name is, but he definitely looks like a communist. Yes. Um, maybe, don't trust, maybe don't trust him. But apparently he has an entire army of um, mutants in a house. And Magneto's like, oh, this is very nice. Um, has a cup of tea. 
and then boom, the door opens, and some random people just literally kill someone to the point like bullets fly, and there is a blonde woman with a hole in her head that Magneto's holding. But lo and behold, Magneto does not give in to his temptations to murder them all, and just sort of stuns them without killing them, and then carries on carrying his luggage around. Meanwhile, the X-Men just you know gets sick of fight of just sitting in a van and leave. We're doing some awesome aerial acrobatics and some aerial um, weightlifting, taking the van itself and the X-Men away, up, up and away. Very Superman style. Yes. And then back at the table, back at the table with the Avengers, uh, not Robbie Robbie is what I'm going to call him. <laughs> keeps shouting at Captain America. And like shouts at Captain America so much that there's a really sad looking Captain America in one yeah. panel. May I say, I'm <laughs> like, he is so sad. Like, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> meanwhile, back on the, uh, well, meanwhile, on a boat, like a Bond villain, um, yeah. Magneto is just randomly in, in this place. And all of a sudden, we find out the helmet's a super ultimate weapon. That's some stuff inside that you just use a screwdriver to solder with. <laughs> And, you know, you're totally fine. Um, who knows what this ultimate weapon is? But And then, meanwhile, again, it's like flipping around with the X-Men, and Captain Marvel just it stops them and is like, look, right, we're, let's just find them together. Maybe that'll be all right. And then there's a bit of a slagging match, and then all of a sudden, Xavier, oh, no, wait, Magneto pops up with psychic powers now and just goes, all right, kids, uh, there's no need. I, yeah, I need uh, the X-Men Captain America from some arbitrary reason and uses some sort of super mental powers, magnetic things. Or should I say, should I quote the comic? Just whisk them away on waves of pure magnetic force. Yeah. And, uh, okay. And then we get like sort of him, like obviously Cap's a bit annoyed. He's been teleported you know, around the place. He's, he's, and he's like, you've had mental powers like this before. And he's, he's not trusting anyone. And, you know, as a second string as they are, the X-Men don't speak at all for a long time um, in this entire dialogue. And Magneto and... He's it, just like, gusts you, Captain America. And he keeps thinking... He's like thinking to himself, and Cap's like, well, you know, I'm sure Magneto, I don't trust you. Then he uses his super helmet... To stop him to, to to attempt to stop him from being a bigot, which is an amazing machine. What? But... <laughs> I want you to say that again, Dan, for the sake of our listeners. Well, that it's amazing. Magneto does what? <laughs> what does he do with his helmet? He shoots him. With a, he shoots him with a ray, which will stop him from being a bigot, essentially. <laughs> <laughs> Captain but America, no, the most no, bigoted person on the planet. Sure. Yeah. Captain America, lo and behold, isn't a bigot. <laughs> it's like I'm fine, and because he, he, he Magneto thought everyone was just anti mutant, um, he throws his helmet and surrenders in the in the bizarre turn of events. And then we get um, someone who kind of President Kennedy giving us the news, and um, we have the most <laughs> like. Um, distinguished jurists of our time. We have Alexandre Gilbert de Mortier from Fr- of France, Lady Janet Grace Sutherland of England, and Gustave Roche Unzezu from Switzerland. I want to say Unzezu. 
because there's no extra air. Right. Um, you know, so, and Magneto is obviously as bad as Hitler because we're told he's as bad as Hitler. So we have someone was, who was occupied by Hitler, someone who helped fight against Hitler, and someone from a country who doesn't who stays out of most people's lives. So they are pretty impartial, um, obviously. And then, <laughs> bizarrely, we jump to a settee where we've obviously interrupted Longshot and Dazzler mid-coitus. And yes, they're like, like, oh shit, the news yeah. is on. And all I can say, well, I'll explain why it's the most bizarre moment in the comic book later. <laughs> That's a tall order. more to go. <laughs> and basically, we have... We have the trial of Magneto. Again. Which goes on for... Yep, again. It goes on for such a long time. Oh and the jury... Are, like, the jurors are clearly against him. Like, completely and utterly against him. And so, he's like, oh dear. This isn't going to go well. And I'm back at Avengers Mansion, or Avengers Tower Block, or Avengers wherever it is this time. <laughs> um, Captain Captain Marvel is whisked away by Magneto's super magnetic powers because he just summoned her. Right, uh, and they have a bit of a discussion, and he's like, "I think that I think you know the jury's a racist. You need to go and get." But the, one of the jurors is a mutant, and he wants me to incite a ra- uh, race war by getting me executed. Go to the boat that I used to live on for about five minutes, and you know, find this girl. She she can. Find out who mutants are and so Captain Marvel you know zooms across and everyone everyone there apart from um, the old guy and he's very sad because even the little girl's dead everyone is just dead right instead of, report, instead of reporting this atrocity to anyone or any authorities in Singapore Captain Marvel decides to risk away and speed to the mansion of one of the jurors of the jurors because um, they're both there the English and the uh, French one and she's invisible and listens to a clearly, you know, even the English woman's like, your words smack of racism, dude. <laughs> you know, he's, he's clearly, he's clearly like prejudiced against Magneto and his kind. And he's clearly got it out for him, hence why it's going so badly. And so she goes and tells him Magneto's this. And he's like, I need to meditate before my trial. And then he puts his eye, his magic eyeballs and tell me all the way into the paw. <laughs> And then the next day, you know, the trial's going on. Everyone's in full costume looking at each other. Most people look the same. And then Magneto decides to turn the lights off because, you know, he does like his grand sort of entrances. And then he, he uses that time to go to the bathroom. But lo and behold, his speeding helmet flies through the window. <laughs> Using his magic helmet of, magic helmet of anti-bigotry, um, he shocks the French juror then smashes the helmet and then he just goes, and then all of a sudden, he essentially gets diplomatic immunity, completely exonerated of all of his crimes. Everyone is understandably shocked because he has killed a few people in his time. And um, it ends unbelievably suddenly with a sort of internal narration from Magneto, which ends with, what have I done? What have I done? Yep. And that's it. What, what has he done? Exactly. What has he done? <laughs> Got himself free. That, he, he managed to get himself free. I love the fact, I forgot to say this, but I love the fact that she, he uses the helmet and he decides to say to himself, it may not have been the helmet that stopped him from being evil, that guy from being evil. It could, he could have, This could have been his decision all along. Even though we, the reader, know that he was clearly evil and racist <laughs> a couple of pages ago. Yeah. Woo. This one's a doozy. 
this one's just yeah the, right the Psylocke long shot moment is not necessary whatsoever it no. is literally just regurgitate completely regurgitated so, like long shot acts like a nine year old like yeah. I know it's supposed to be helping people but no. like, why is it bad that sort of thing and Psylocke's <laughs> like I'll tell you exactly what everyone's been telling you throughout this book blah 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 blah, blah. right it's like, why do we need this panel? Because we've just been told this once earlier on, yeah. and we're just going to be told this again we're... in about four pages' time. We just need to remind so you that they're X Men. That's all it is. Just hey, remember, there's two other X Men that aren't in the story, but they're still there. It's very true. Yeah, I have a lot of problems. There's a lot of issues, like thematically, and just the story structure is really rushed, really odd, like. I said, was it issue two quite messy and issue three was more le- like leaner? This is just a bit of, over the place. Like, they're jumping through hoops just to get to that end moment. Right. And it feels like they're trying to just justify Magneto's abilities, uh, his actions, and sell that he's innocent. And But he still uses, like, a device to sort of get himself out of jail. And then he thinks that he's, you know, just it's just as bad as if he was killed. It's kind of like, I don't know what you want to say. I don't know what this comic book wants to say at the end. It feels really sort of ambiguous on its... So at first it feels like I'll give up. You know, maybe not everyone's evil. I'll have a fair trial and let you know humanity decide my fate. And then it shows us that one of them is purely evil. He seems to be the head of the jurors and he will... And he, from everything he's said, he's completely like, you're going down for it. And then he's like, well, I need to use my helmet. <laughs> he uses his helmet. <laughs> and it works. And then he's like, well, he might have thought about, this is what he might have been like all along. And it's like, no, no, he wasn't, was he? Yesterday, he clearly <laughs> wanted you dead. <laughs> Today, he's changed because of your helmet. It just, I don't know, it just doesn't, it doesn't sit well at all with me. Nope. Um, <clears throat> no. So, yeah. my, my exact phrase with the, this issue, the story... Like reading this was a beat down. I just, I man, I I hated this so much. It was pointless. So we have a trial that kind of repeats Uncanny X Men number two hundred, but does it in a worse way. I didn't really. So what do you think of the art? Because I don't really like it very much. No, I think it's it is really messy, and the artist didn't know where he was. Like, why have we got loads of white people walking around Singapore? Like, lots and lots of white people. And then right. the, the three mutants happen to be from Singapore. And, you know, actually the only non... The only Asian people there are the three mutants. And, like, why is one of them dressed like he's from India? I just... Right. <laughs> it's just, like, really poor decisions. Really, really poor decisions. Yeah. Uh, several times I, I had to stop and say, am I really reading this? <laughs> and the whole... Yeah, this, this, like, the helmet power, where does it come from? Like, I remember him having some sort of, like, brainwashing machinery, but I just, I was like, really? This just feels like too much. Yeah, it was, it's like, way an- too much. Anti-bigotry. It, you know, like... The first X-Men film, which has that pointy, pointless machinery that turns you into a mutant or whatever. Right. Um, it feels like that, where it's like the MacGuffin really, really, really arbitrary. And tries to serve the story, but 
in turn ruins everything about him. So, yeah. yeah. Well, you know, it, yeah, I, yeah, I said this makes sense. You know, when, when we when we talked about Jim Shooter had the co-plot, because a helmet that erases bigotry is exactly the kind of shit that Jim Shooter would pull out of his ass. Like that just screams Secret Wars two level quality. It's just it's so stupid, and all the dialogue of of them talking about it is just. Oh, it gives me a migraine. This, this issue gave me a headache. It's terrible. It's so it's so dry. Like there's no because it hasn't given any chance for any of the characters apart from like you know to sort of expand upon their beliefs. It feels like talking heads are just talking like saying the writer's point of view, right? Um, or the ed- editorial point of view. It doesn't feel like these people are saying anything. It just feels like they're just saying what is needed and necessary to get to the end, and it and I don't know who this is. Just such a bad book, and has such a like sort of um, it goes for this lofty ideal, like it tries to be a, a classic sort of X Men parable, and it just falls flat on its ass within like five pages. So it shoots for the like shoots for the like, let's talk about issue two's from cover. It shoots for that the idea that he may be tempted to be evil. And there was none of that in there. It's such an empty sort of finale. Yeah, it might as well not never been called uh, X Men versus the Avengers. Like it generally, <laughs> the title is totally misleading. Like they don't even fight really. <laughs> um, and and the final issue is just uh, it's kind of feels insulting, and especially reading it now. And it's kind of like this feels just really, really like. Yeah, like the fans are trying to, the fans want to pay off, and there's nothing. It's just bad, just bad comics. Yeah, no, it's terrible. Um, I'm not gonna give. I have not one single positive thing to say about this issue besides what we talked about on the cover. Um, Exactly. So how how low are you gonna go, Dan? (laughs) I think because it's insulting, I'm actually giving it nothing. Me too. Um, Because I found it. (laughs) <laughs> I, f- I find it I, f- I just find it really just insulting even like the artistic choices of the, the first page of having a channel 11 news at five because it's in singapore we have like um because there's no context of where they are at all and it's white people it's like americans watching that news is the next panel right so it's like so why is they um like can't like actual uh Chinese, uh, I can't remember, is it Mandarin? Chinese um, writing down the screen or anything. Why is there any of that? Like, why does it have to be an Asian uh, news presenter? It just feels really bizarre because it's just a group of Americans watching the news. It's not as if it's like in Singapore. It probably is, but there's no clear sort of direction at all of where it is. And it's unforgivable in a book called X-Men versus Avengers that the X-Men are pretty much cameos. I just walk on parts, are wallpaper in pretty much every scene they're in. Right. Especially in this issue. Yeah. And they have the one little scene where they break out of the van that I really think only exists so that Wolverine can cut a hole in the ceiling and Rogue can pick the van up and fly away with it. Pretty much. <laughs> It feels like, oh, shit, we need to do something with the X-Men. Because, like, fair enough, Magneto's there, but he's not the X-Men. 
No. Like, you know, he's not. He's not. You can't argue with me that having him in a book makes it an X Men. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So um, so we're gonna, we're both gonna give this issue zero out of six claws. Um, what do you think happened with the change? All right. So I I I think it makes sense that Sylvester got pulled off because he literally is about to kick like. Like literally the same month, he's already started to kick off his Uncanny X-Men run. And so he was probably overtaxed. And it makes sense to have kind of a relief pitcher come in from the bullpen and draw this book. The The change in writer doesn't make as much sense to me. And, I, you know, I tried, tried really hard to find some kind of like research on this. Unfortunately, because of the... Um, purveyance of, of internet media in our time you really can't search for this without pulling up AVX stuff um, so I really can find really very little about this but I'm very curious and maybe I'm just inventing drama because I hated this issue um, <laughs> there was no drama here so I'm making it my own but I'm really wondering if if when Jim Shooter kind of stepped in with with what he how he wanted this to end, and Roger Stern was like, "Oh hell no, I quit," <laughs> you know, and and Steiner's like, "Uh, DeFalco, I need some help." <laughs> it does feel like like Stan was going a completely different way. Yes, it does. Because it because when we leave the story in issue three, everyone's floating on some back force, and Magneto is on his way to Singapore because reasons. And it doesn't feel like... And then the next time we meet everyone, like, the Avengers are storming into some random place and the next men are in a van. It's it's like, what? <laughs> like, where, where's, the, where's the transition? Right. Um, it does feel like Stern had nothing. Like, he clearly... Either he started a new book himself or he... They saw the script and went, no, we're doing it differently. Right. Yeah, something definitely... Uh... I'd be interested, you know, to see some behind-the-scenes stuff for this one. Not not that it really merits any extra coverage because it's not a good series. But um, I would be interested to just kind of know like, what happened in the offices that, like, led to this very drastic, not only change in, in creative team, but just change in the, in the tone of the story. I mean, the first part wasn't necessarily leaps and bounds better, but it felt very different. And there's just a really mm-hmm. big disconnect uh, between this issue. So, so as far as the series overall, Dan, um, you kind of agree that like there's a good story that could have been told here, like based on issue one. That it, I mean, I know in 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 the '80s you kind of have the Marvels miniseries that they just had trouble keeping momentum. I mean, most of this, you know, like we've. You've been on to do Secret Wars with me, and you know when, when me and Jack talked about the Fantastic Four crossover. Like, there's just a really kind of bad trend at this time in Marvel's publishing history to kind of, and you know, I I would say this probably applies mostly to events in general. Is that you have a nice start, and a nice premise, and it kind of just gradually dribbles into nothing. But I, mean, I guess so. What what would you have? changed or how would you have kind of made this story go based on the premise of issue one why don't you tell me a better story than what we got if you feel up to it well let's think so Max was just put into chains wasn't he um 
I think it would have been more interesting if when the X-Men arrived, well, when the when the Russians arrived, uh, they just attacked everyone, not just the Avengers. And they saw the X-Men as the main enemy because they were trying to defend uh, Magneto. And perhaps, yes, maybe if he went into his asteroid, maybe if he did actually have a fucking uh, crisis of consciousness. Yeah. Uh, and actually, like, sort of had a moment. And then, you know, and, I, and it's called, it is called X-Men versus Avengers. Call me old-fashioned, but you need to make the stakes between those two teams. And that's what I would do. And if it is, like, I don't remember much of it, the X, the, the, the newer one. I try not to remember much of it. <laughs> um, but have the stakes. If it is Magneto that they're searching for, um, up until the end, then have that as the have have that as the point. Have them come, you know, knock heads on that. They hardly ever even fight. And at this point in time, the X Men can be aren't the classic X Men that would know most of the Avengers, and the Avengers aren't the classic Avengers that would know most of the X Men. Right. Their interaction their interactions aren't massive, and they've got quite volatile members on their team. So make them fight. If you have to, I'm sure you can make them fight properly. <laughs> right. And I'd have, I, I don't know, I, I'd probably have it as Magneto would. I'd, I'd ignore the trial business and the, the helmet that makes people less bigot, bigots. <laughs> but I would maybe keep the bits where like he tries to go on the run and gets into a safe haven with some uh, mutants and they're murdered and that's the moment where he snaps. Right, yeah. And the X-Men come and possibly agree with him but don't agree with his methods as usual. As the whole point of Lemon Magneto is that he possibly <laughs> could agree with him, but he maybe murders the troops, and that brings the X Men and the Avengers back on the same side, but more hostile because the X Men want to, the Avengers to help them hunt down some of the other, or bring to account the military that went and murdered these mutants. Something, something a little bit more sophisticated. Anything. Right. <laughs> the more we before we cut. Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think I think too also you you have to really question the timing of this series as far as the resolution because at this point in time they weren't ready to kinda of have Magneto switch back to being more of a villain. Like he was still leading the new mutants, and they weren't ready to kind of make him go back to being a, a full on bad guy like he will, you know, early on in the nineties. And I think had you done a story like this where you can actually end with this kind of narrating and detailing kind of his return to his more mischievous ways, kind of going back to the dark side, if you will, then I think this story could have been a lot more powerful. Because this story has to kind of end where it begins, it makes the whole premise, which had some promise, just seem really pointless and disappointing. Because nothing really changes at all. I mean, nothing really no. actually happens. <laughs> it's just like, it's just like, oh, um, follow the Avengers of the X Men and um, the Avengers and <laughs> the monthly series. Goodbye. Right. That's literally, that's literally it. Yeah, I agree. All right. Well, any closing thoughts that we haven't already over over talked yet? I think my closing thought. To our listeners and for anyone who ever 
we keep telling it because of the words of Avengers versus X-Men, I remember saying Avengers, is now we know, we have conclusive evidence. When these two teams are put together in a combat situation on the front cover, it will never be a good read. <laughs> Ever. Ever. <laughs> so we now have conclusive evidence from both. Right, yeah, it doesn't matter which years. which order you put the words in. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you try to switch them out. Yeah. <laughs> it'll still be bad. Awesome. Well, Dan, thank you so, so much for coming back on and talking about this with us. Um, obviously, uh, you're you're from the Inner Comics Podcast, and I think you have some other stuff you're doing, too. So why don't you uh, give us a rundown of kind of what you got going on, your your plugs, if you will. Uh, well, thank you again for having us on. Um, I'm rubbish at plugging. Well, you can um, read Jason's review of Extraordinary X-Men number six on uh, the Intercomics Podcast website, which is just intercomicspodcast.com. Uh, at Intercomics Podcast uh, is the Twitter, which you'll get most of your information from. We are actually winning a uh, poll for Book of the Month, which is what we'll read and review at the end of the month. So if you want to vote for that and torture us with some good comic books, because we actually get good ones, because the last time we let someone, someone pick it was, it was All-Star Batman <laughs> and Robin. Um, um, yeah. And you can, hear, you, can hear, you can hear that episode uh, on SoundCloud. Just search on SoundCloud uh, in a comic podcast. Uh, one iTunes as well. I am sort of semi-regular on... Me and my friend Mike are doing Ben and Mike love stuff, but we just talk about things we love. But it's actually mainly Mike's kids going crazy awesome. on YouTube for twenty <laughs> minutes. Um, but that, but it's it's delightful. And as always, I'll um, be telling Jason what I think of all new Wolverine. Yeah. And be anticipating my next appearance. Yes, we will get you back on I, soon. Either I, either when this arc ends and the next one starts, we'll try to try to have you on to actually. Well, talk hopefully I will get person. Another, another flashback episode where we have to have another team first. This is another team. <laughs> I don't know if I can stomach it. <laughs> right. I'll try not to do that to you again. <laughs> All right. Well, as usual for us, uh, you can like the Facebook page, uh, Snickcast. Or, I'm sorry, Twitter is at Snickcast. Um, email us, Snickcast at Yahoo.com. Oh, uh, website with show notes and stuff is snickcast.podbean.com. Yeah, like Dan said, please go listen to Inner Comics Podcast. It's always a great listen. I think they come out usually every Friday, give or take, and I always listen to them, usually on the next following Monday uh, when I go back into the yeah, office, man. and it's, it's just always a great show. So spread the love around. Um, I'm pretty sure that, that most people who listen to my show have already already started listening to y'all as well but in case you're one of the ones that haven't go give it a chance give it a listen so um yeah that's gonna do it uh for this one uh this this pile of garbage that was the original x-men versus the avengers um (laughs) so until next time hugs and snicks we'll see you later and snicked